0: I'm Mel Kettle, and you're listening to This Connected Life, the show where connected leaders share their experience, values, and strategies that have helped them become more connectable so they achieve success in life and business. My guest on this episode of This Connected Life is the fabulous Associate Professor Catherine Ball. Catherine is a scientific futurist, a speaker, an advisor, an author, a founder. Oh my God, this list of what you do is just (laughs) crazy. Um, And I said to her a few moments ago, how do I introduce you as Catherine or as doctor or as associate professor? And she said associate professor because it's new and I have to get used to it. So associate professor Catherine Ball, (laughs) thank you so much for your time today and welcome. Welcome.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been so long since you and I have had the chance to have a good catch up. And we sit here on a Friday afternoon and we're not slowing down, are we?
0: I know. Well, we've both just said it's (laughs) 10 past two and we've both just said we have to be done by three because we're both recording other podcasts at three (laughs) o'clock. It's
1: like... Your podcast is amazing. It's been going for such a long time with such amazing, juicy conversations in it. But now everyone in the world, I think, likes to think that they can produce podcasts. And I'm guilty as charged of that. I've been trying to get podcasts up and going for a number of years now. But yes, the one after with this is actually with my speakers agency. So it is quite important that I do that one as well today. Uh And it was just very weirdly serendipitous. At the end of the day of Zoom conversations, who has Zoom Throat? Honestly, Uh Zoom Throat, video conferencing, video chat throat um i've got Mason. zoom
0: goggle eyes <laughs> exactly. when my eyes just get to friday afternoon they just want to fall out of my skull
1: where's the cucumber slices darling cucumber slices Your i actually
0: eyes. did that the other day i <laughs> to
1: take some photos
0: and i looked at my face and just went oh god so i lay down for 10 minutes covered in cucumber slices and thanks to our fantastic veggie boxes from suncoast fresh oh i love them good plug we're love. getting tons of cucumbers and i'm I don't I love like any cucumbers, so they're great for the face.
1: <laughs> I'm loving that they're going to continue oh. doing their beautiful boxes as well. I was so worried. I was like, "Oh no! All the restaurants are going to open, and we're not going to get our suncoast fresh anymore." But no, they are persisting, which is great. And I, I know. remember. Reading about them in the Courier Mail, just as a local business going, we've been smashed because we used to serve restaurants, but now what can we do? And I'm like, give me your fresh fruit and veggies, so I don't have to go to the zombie horde that is the shopping centre. Oh, that I can just, just know amazing. on a Tuesday, there's some milk, some sourdough, some eggs, and some beautiful fresh. Because I go for the lux box, I go for the full. Give me the juicy fruit. What's yep. the new kind of special <laughs> this week? Type person.
0: Mm, I think we need to switch to that one we get the big the large veggie box
1: and treat yourself with papaya papaya
0: god I've known Graham the owner of Suncoast Fresh for years and years and years and yesterday he put some photos of papaya on Instagram Mm -hmm. and I'm like they're a fruit that I just don't like and he said you need to try them with Tarzan's limes and anyone lime juice any other Survivor fans will know Tarzan is um, an Australian Survivor contestant a couple of times, and he has a lime farm on the Sunshine Coast. And I'm like, oh, I do love these limes. They but are
1: great limes. I can't <laughs> eat papaya without lime. I think it's because in the UK, papayas are really exotic, right? They're very expensive. You only get them in places like Waitrose and Marks and Spencer's food. And so it's always served together. In Marks <laughs> and Spencer's food, it was always a lime wedge and half a papaya. So you had your papaya with your lime because it's really good vitamin C intense fruit, but apparently chemically there's something happens between a lime and a papaya.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. I will <laughs> give it a go. I promised Graham I'll try. So we'll try. And he has his own podcast as well called Prodcast, which I, think I love he's, it. So cute. <laughs> so cool.
1: He's just such an enthusiastic guy. I follow them on Facebook and I'm just so glad to support that business because they're the genuine article. They Same. really are.
0: So I met Graham years ago. We both used to be guests on a food segment on, I think it was one of the local AM radio stations, 4BC, I think. And there were a couple of episodes where we were both a guest at the same time and he would always turn up with whatever exotic fruit (laughs) was currently in season that he was being given to experiment with and to taste. And uh, he was just such a beautiful, genuine man. So when I heard he was doing fruit and veggie boxes for families, I was all over it in a heartbeat. Yeah. You
1: see, I remember in the UK, my first ever experience of kiwi fruit was probably when I was about 12 years old. You know, seeing kiwi fruit in the supermarket was so exotic. And now you're like, oh yeah, a couple of kiwis in the fruit box. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I've come a little bit far. I'm not in Kansas anymore, Toto, isn't it? In terms of... The yeah. fruit and veggies here in Queensland are pretty special. I think we've probably got some of the best produce in the world.
0: I totally agree. I was in Paris a few years ago in a little local grocery store and watched a man picking up the mangoes and, and looking, deciding which mango to buy. And they were from Mexico and mm. they were green. And mm. I picked one up and gave it a sniff and just went, Ooh. Mm. and I said to him, don't buy those. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, they have no fragrance. They're awful. Don't buy them. And they were five euros each. Yeah. So I just thought oh (laughs) we are so lucky so anyway we've just totally digressed but that's okay I'm happy to do that but I do want to ask you and I think I'm going to partly know the answer to this but what does connection mean to you other than grapefruit and veggies and the
1: fact that there we go I'm one degree of separation from him do you know what I've always used this expression and I will continue using it I'm sure but your network is your net worth and so connection for me is everything whether you're looking at it from a human to human connection and the value that I think we're now putting on that, since we've all been forced to be separated from each other, I think we've recognized the power of connections outside of our family units and outside of our businesses. And I love the other day, just yesterday, I went for a coffee with a friend for 30 minutes without any children attached to me. And we sat on the uncomfortable chairs in the cafe that are still uncomfortable, but it was blissful because. <laughs> I was sat drinking a coffee out of a cup in a public space. And I was thinking that, you know, they're talking about this whole re entry syndrome, that there's going to be a mental health issue that's almost slightly agoraphobic, that people aren't going to want to go out and mix because they're so scared still of the novel coronavirus. And I'm like, you know what, in Australia and New Zealand, we've probably we're past it already psychologically aren't we Mm. and that social distancing just isn't happening but from a business perspective you know networking is everything all of the big pieces of consulting work that I've won have been through people that have known me met me or worked with me my new academic role at the ANU is because of the network I had there with the absolutely flummoxingly amazing Genevieve Bell distinguished professor Genevieve Bell at the 3AI so I was an honorary associate professor there in August and then in April they decided to bring me in full-time into the College of Engineering and Computing Science and I met Genevieve after having been on the ANU Industry Advisory Board and I was on that because I would knew Brian Hartzer who was CEO of Westpac at the time through the Westpac 100 Women of Influence and I went for the Westpac 100 Women of Influence because I'd just got the Telstra Awards and I got the Telstra Awards <laughs> because my HR manager put me forward for it because she wasn't going to take no for an answer even though I didn't want to go for it and Like Steve Jobs says, you know, you can trace the dots going backwards, but it's how you try and extrapolate those going forwards is really the power of your network. And I'm I'm considering writing a book on this at the moment around where the secret power of your network actually isn't in the people that you know, it's in the people that they know. So your second degree Mm -hmm. connection.
0: I totally agree. And I've always said that it's not necessarily who, you know, it's who they know, it's who yeah. knows who and who, maybe you and I should and chat who knows that. you. So yeah, I would love to, because that's an area that I'm just so fascinated by as well. Mm. And I think back to a client who um, rang me about oh, seven mm. or eight years ago. And he said to me, I need some marketing support and I don't have any money. And I just went, Oh, clearly you've got some because I don't work for free. So I, mm-hmm. rang, I rang him up and we had a chat and he said, I've got some money, but I'm just careful about how I spend it. And mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, good. So you should be. Yeah. And then I said to him, how did you hear of me? And he said, my daughter told me I had to call you. And I said, who's your daughter? And he told me, and I said, I don't, her name's not familiar to me. How have we met or how does she know me? And he said she heard you speak at an event five years ago and Mm -hmm. she's been telling me ever since I need to work with you. And I just thought that is a long time and I don't know her at all, but since then we've reconnected and, and caught up and I'm hopefully going to, I'd love to do some work for her in her current role one day, but her husband's a carpenter. And so when we needed some renovations done on our house, we rang him because it's all about who, you know, and who knows who and, People don't go to the yellow pages anymore to find people to provide services and they don't even Google anymore to find people to provide services. They go to their network and say, Mm. who do you know who can fix my leaking dishwasher or repair my car or do some marketing for my business or help me with my SEO or speak at my conference?
1: So, I'm the same. So LinkedIn for me, I mean, I've got 16,000 people on my LinkedIn now. So whenever I need anything, like I put a call out a couple of months ago around bushfires and drones, and then off the back of that, a whole drones and bushfire fighting group got created on, on LinkedIn, which is bigger than me and the needs that I had at the time. And then just last week, I put a call out for people to provide me with drone videos and drone photos that I can then translate into teaching resources for teachers to access for free through my World of Drones Education Startup YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, And, I got absolutely overwhelmed with people saying, what do you need? What do you want? What do you need? What do you want? Same with the, you know, the Congress is on this November. We are having an in-person conference in 2020 in November, mid-November in, here in Brisbane. And it's the World of Drones and Robotics Congress. And we've just released our sponsorship packages. So of course that gets emailed out to everybody. There may be spam filters or ways in which that's blocked. So you email it out to everybody. I text people. I put it on my LinkedIn. I put it on my Twitter. And you just allow this thing to soak through the soil that it is your social network. And there's real power in that because then you get people that are second degrees and third degrees liking and sharing yeah. things, and it's wonderful. The thing with networks, though, is the key here is that it's um, what you have to nurture it, you have to grow it, but you also have to recognize actually where sometimes parts of your network are not actually doing you any favors or parts of your network are false in that you think you're getting good recommendations because someone's connecting to someone else, but actually that they're not good recommendations, it's just that they happen to have added the same people who you actually know or something like that but interesting
0: one of the things I love about living in this era is that technology allows us to have so many networks in an online space and I think back to when I first started working you know the internet didn't really even exist or it was you was starting to be used in universities and in academic circles but not any more broadly and then When I started consulting, social media didn't exist. And I just think how much easier it is today to build networks and to build genuine, authentic, trusted relationships with people online who you might never, ever meet in person. And when I say that to a lot of people, they look at me as if to say, but why would you trust someone you've never met? And it's like, well, sometimes you have a much more trusting relationship with someone you've never met because you can be deeper and more honest because you don't know them.
1: Exactly right. And in fact, you know, the times that I've been burned, I've been burned by people who I thought were friends, you know, or (sighs) friendly social acquaintances. And there's that line of professionalism that gets stepped over. Yeah. But when you're having a virtual relationship with someone, it's very easy to keep that line up and really reinforce that line of professionalism. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the idea of social networking again, you know, I remember when Twitter came out, gosh, Twitter was the best thing since sliced bread. It was the way you could get election results quicker than oh. the news websites. It's the way you could yeah. get the Olympics results live. It's the way you could engage with people that were thought leaders. You know, you could chat with celebrities, you could Ooh. engage with people in a really positive way yep. and then you've gone through a really dark phase. Twitter. I actually removed my profile and then I put myself back on again and had to rebuild the thousands of followers that Mm. I had because a few years ago there was a big backlash against a woman in the UK that wanted to make sure that there was a a woman on the currency because they were about to get rid of the last female representative on the British currency and so she campaigned. I think Jane Austen ends up going on some of the currency but she was getting rape threats and death threats and bomb threats and all of this stuff from these men that were abusing her online Mm completely anonymously through Twitter and you know we hear it from time and time celebrities that are driven to suicide from some of these things and so it's a very powerful thing social media and I just I always try and stay on the Jedi side of it you know the right side of the force same, with
0: it and, and like you I love Twitter I think one of my overriding memories of Twitter is when Bin Laden was captured oh and yeah the guy I, with the was, helicopter noise yep yeah, it was a Sunday afternoon and yeah. I just remember I said to Sean, something really big is going down now. I saw that tweet. And within about an hour, Twitter just imploded. Mm. And it was the only thing people were talking about on Twitter for about 48 hours. And what was interesting was that at that time as well, it was just starting to become commonplace for organisations and brands to schedule tweets. Mm. And there were quite a few scheduled tweets that hadn't been turned off. And it was like, nobody cares about your laundry detergent. Bin Laden's been captured. (laughs) It's
1: funny, (laughs) isn't it? People, when it goes bad, it's like, you know, when it's good, it's very, very good. But when it's bad, it's horrid. But the
0: other thing, you know, you mentioned before that you've got some really close relationships with people you've met on Twitter and been burned by people you know in real life. Mm. It's almost 10 years since my mother died and she died really unexpectedly and I remember Mm. tweeting about it. And people who I knew, who I'd been friends with for years and years and years, some of them still have not acknowledged her death. What? Whereas I was getting condolence cards in the post from people on Twitter who I'd never met. And that yeah. that contrast, that, that was when I realised the power of social media and mm-hmm. how much positivity it could bring to the world.
1: It could, yeah. Well, I guess we all have a bit of a, an obligation maybe then to make I sure that social media is, is, is actually working the way it should. But there was a terrible statistic that happened last year, wasn't there, that um, for the first time in the world, more spam was being produced than really? genuine content. So, for the very first time last year, it, t- it went from being around forty nine fifty one. It finally yeah. tipped the other way. being 50 point something spam and 49 point something real content so this is why I accepted the role at ANU is that to work with people who are on the cutting edge of not just the technology development itself but almost the antidotes and the vaccines to the bad technologies or ways in which technologies are being used badly because technology actually really is neither good nor bad it's how you apply it the fact that we need to have an immune system on the internet to protect us from these sorts of things is a new and interesting phenomenon that if anyone's got kids going through school right now there are certain technologies that if They got trained up and and up and running with those. They'll have jobs for life in cybersecurity, for example.
0: Yeah, I always find it really interesting as well that people expect the people who created Facebook and Twitter and other social media platforms to be responsible and accept responsibility for all the content. It fascinates me.
1: It's a a conundrum, isn't it? It Fascinates me. It's all about about, responsibility and liability around the way your systems behave and allow people to abuse your systems.
0: But it's kind of like if you produce glue then you're responsible for everybody who chooses to sniff the glue to get high. Yeah, or If you, but, if you build
1: kettles, then the electricity use of those kettles or those irons yeah. that you make, you know, yeah. or if you build a car, you're responsible for emissions. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah. It's one of these long unanswered. Yeah. And, and I guess the thing will be, it comes down to the proclivity of the society to use and abuse things. But this is why I'm writing one of my current books, because it's all about data literacy. And I guess that comes down to this. So, I mean, for me, data literacy is a human right. But a lot of people that I know that, are, for example, watching all the COVID stats and all of the exponential graphs and all this kind of stuff, have never been taught to analyze Mm -hmm. an exponential graph, couldn't even tell you what a logarithmic scale is, have no idea what an RO value is, have Mm -hmm. no idea about epidemiology, yet they're being fed little tiny morsels and crumbs of information and then they're clinging to it like a life raft because that's what we have we've got to have some hope that things are going to get better and so you cling to some of the things that are pushed out in the media but if you're not able to understand disagree and interrogate the data then what has that news article actually done for you it's propaganda so I don't think it's just people like Facebook and the social media giants that are responsible for this. It's actually also standard media news outlets, government outlets, government mm. press briefings. When they stand there in front of us and say, oh, you no, know, there's been no confirmed cases in Queensland. Or say, for example, a couple of months ago, they'd be like, you know, 20 cases. Yeah, but well, that doesn't mean anything. Mm. If it's 20 cases of international travellers, that are in quarantine that's a very different cohort to say we've got 20 cases of unknown community transmission but we weren't being told that we were just being told numbers to the point where i actually got a bit angry about this because people are not stupid people are able to understand concepts if you engage with them and explain it with them so this whole psycoms thing the whole idea of science communication for me is only one layer of the cake mm. science communication is all well and good science engagement is better science empowerment is even better And actually teaching people to create, digest, and understand science in their own way, that is where we actually want to be. Effectively, people that are involved in science communication, it's a shame that they even have to exist, because we should just naturally be able to disagree with what we're being forced to consume. I got a bit angry about that. So it's not just about social media networks that are responsible for this. We get given a lot of propaganda through a lot of different sources, Mm. or misinformation, or partial information. And in fact... Partial information is more poisonous than no information because you're giving a false level of security or anger or empowerment. And you, you would know this through communications. Hmm. You don't ever just show one piece of the puzzle. You have to show the whole jigsaw because otherwise that piece of the puzzle makes no sense. There's no relevance to it. So I think this pandemic is going to be an exfoliator across a lot of things, and one of those will be, I think, our understanding of data and how it's presented to us as a society and what we want from our scientists in terms of being able to understand the work that's going on and what we want to learn, what we want to retrain in, what we want to do a graduate cert in, what we want our kids to study at university is all going to shift and pivot on this fulcrum that we're currently building Mm. through this pandemic.
0: I think something else that's often not done well is communication of complex techniques and data
1: mm-hmm. is
0: often portrayed with very complex
1: language using one complex word instead of five <laughs> yeah
0: yeah or using a three-syllable word instead of a seven-syllable word and there's this excellent TED talk I've forgotten who did it but it's called talk nerdy to me and oh, yeah. it's really short it's about 10 minutes I'll pop a link in the show notes but it's the science communicator who says you can simplify things without dumbing them down and people aren't stupid there's ways that you can portray complex situations and complex data and complex scientific concepts in ways that people will understand, that even a five-year-old can understand. If you use imagery and if you use analogy and if you use language, that's commonly understood. And I think a lot of clever people try to prove that they're more clever than they might be by using big words. And one of my mentors says a confused mind says no. And so when you hear things in language that you don't understand or with jargon or with acronyms, then your mind just shuts down and either believes nothing or chooses to believe what it wants to believe
1: couldn't agree more and this is a huge thing that's going to have to change because you know we've got some scientists and engineers that are working on projects and they may not be communicators they may not be natural communicators and that's okay that's not what they're being paid for they're being paid to do cutting-edge research to understand their research and to just do the research now it's the whole idea again of science communications what we actually want is a broader phase of engagement and education around those things starting from primary school and then reiterating and retraining people. But then that's a bit rebellious, you know, Mel, because then you're going to have a community that can actually disagree with what it's being fed. They can actually look at something and say, no, that's not right. That doesn't make sense to me. How do I open up the data behind this black box? You know, this is where explainable AI is going to have its own. It's going to come into its own over the next few years. This idea that you can crack the black box open and understand the processes that are happening inside it. That is empowerment of people around new technology acronyms i mean mm. i work on the edge of the aerospace and aviation world obviously working with drone technology and the acronyms just are ridiculous but mm. that is the way people in aviation have typically always spoken it's and a separate in ma- language
0: and in many sectors i'll Ooh. never forget when i worked with microsoft years and years ago i went to my first meeting with them and it was a two hour meeting and I wrote about five pages of notes and at the end of it the chair of the meeting said any questions and I went yeah what do all these acronyms mean and I had about a hundred of them yeah and it was words and it was acronyms and I'm just like I didn't understand the majority of that meeting which was meant to be a briefing meeting to me but at no point did you ever ask me a question or give me a chance to interject and and I just Good. thought this isn't going to be a very long contract if this is going to be how every meeting is (laughs) and I feel like I'm not getting paid enough to do this (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) where's my pain money (laughs) where's my pain money people
0: Uh, I actually have charged a couple of clients pain money and one of them (laughs) years ago one of my clients I did this project with and one of the people on the project team was just one of the most unpleasant people I've ever had to come across And this particular client who I loved said to me about six months later, can you do this project? It's not the project for us. And I said, yeah, tell me about it. So he told me a few things and, and he said, so what do you think? And I said, what haven't you told me? And he said, what do you mean? And I said, you're holding something back. And he said, no, I'm not. And he got a bit shifty. And I said, yes, you are. Who have you not told me about is going to be involved in this project? And he mentioned the horrible man. And I just went... I will do it, but I will be charging danger money. And he said, I wouldn't expect anything less. And that's why I didn't tell you, because I knew that it would up your fee by 30%. (laughs) And it did and they paid it. And it was, God, I earned every penny.
1: (laughs) What can we do to defeat this beast? I guess the key is to just continue educating ourselves. And when, anyone get, when you get a chance to sit and flick through Instagram for 10 minutes, why don't you jump on edX and do a free course in cybersecurity or, you know, jump on at the ANU and do one of their, um, they've got these wonderful graduate certificates they put together in sort of 2020 as people retrain for jobs for 2021. Get yourself educated in a serious way with proper people, not just non-accredited YouTube stuff. I mean, get yourself a university qualification, even if it's a graduate certificate or a master's rather than, you know, a full blown PhD. There's ways in which you can top up your tank of knowledge by dipping in and out of maybe it's your alma mater maybe you Mm. can come and learn some things from ANU with the fabulous 3AI team and the engineering team that I'm sitting inside we've got some wonderful ways that they're trying to do new things which is great
0: and I think as well if you don't want to go back to university and you don't want to do formal study still approach those programs and have ask for what's the reading list what's your required reading or what's the reading and the articles and the books and the journals that you encourage people to look at throughout this program and then read some of them
1: TAFE has got so much going on you know I was saying to someone at TAFE during an international women's day briefing we were on the panel there because I'm on the board of aviation Australia and I was sort of saying I remember when I was doing my PhD one of the professors actually retrained as a master plumber because as a master Mm -hmm. plumber he was going to earn 30 percent more than he was earning as an academic, and it would be on his time and his hours. And so he retrained as a plumber after having done a PhD, a postdoc, and then become a professor. He was off. So, you know, skills based training is something that I think we shouldn't undervalue. Oh, um, I totally agree. And I know that here in Queensland, the Queensland government, Minister Shannon Fentiman, who's a brilliant minister for small business, has created access to this free online training for small businesses. So mm. you can access that, you can just Google that. But the idea is that there are resources out there, and we've got no excuse. This is what the the internet was built for Like, right? we've got no excuse not to use these services and the thing is the more we use these services the more we actually support the ecosystem behind these services so there's more education yeah. opportunities there for other people who might not be able to afford it even if we can by producing more things where they can produce things that are free or make things free through the pipeline the internet Absolutely is there great. for us Yeah. And,
0: you know, the World Economic Forum at their annual meeting in January this year said that almost a third of jobs worldwide will be transformed by technology over the next 10 years. And while a lot of us definitely will need to improve our technological and scientific skills we need to be able to understand how to communicate and develop our interpersonal skills even more because the top 10 skills of the future include things like emotional intelligence, complex problem solving, people management, negotiation, coordinating with others. And if you can't communicate and communicate with clarity and compassion, then you're not going to be able to do any of those things. So think really hard about what is it that you do want to do in the future and what do you need and where can you go to get that? And if you don't know where to go, then ask people like Catherine and ask, you know, jump online and jump on the internet and on Twitter and LinkedIn and say, what should I do? Where can I go? Where are some great resources?
1: And this is where you say, you know, what does connection mean? That's exactly what this means you know, you've got a whole ecosystem of people out there that have an opportunity, even if it's paying 50 bucks and going to an after dinner, after wine and e- wine and cheese evening or something like that, or going to a public lecture at a local university. You know, that Academics and universities are desperately trying to reach out to people in ways that they've not done before, not only to maintain their relevance, but also, I think, to understand how to engage with their alumni, how to engage with the community who may not be their alumni yet. And the idea, I think, behind higher education now, now is to never let people graduate. So we will have a never graduating student cohort, which I think will be very interesting.
0: <laughs> Having spent many years in universities, that scares me. Thought of never graduating.
1: <laughs> then again, really, I mean, like every day is a school day now. So I mean, oh do God, we ever really gra- <laughs> Do we ever really graduate? I don't think so. No,
0: I guess not. I guess not. But I guess I'm a lifelong learner as well, and I don't believe that you need to have a formal education or go to university in order to learn. There's so many ways and I think that people shouldn't say, I can't afford to study or I can't afford the time to use that as an excuse to not learn. Because if you've got the time to watch Netflix and to binge watch a whole series of whatever the latest is on Netflix over the course of the weekend, then you've got time to read a journal article or to watch a YouTube video or to do a short course at a university that's going to get you further. But even
1: Netflix and Disney Plus have some brilliant documentaries on them. Netflix for example I've not got the subscription for anymore actually I've moved to Stan and uh, Disney Plus because of the Star Wars thing obviously I moved to Disney Plus as soon as it came out but Disney Plus also have Nat Geo on there and I recently watched the Jeff Goldblum series The World According to Jeff Goldblum oh my gosh I've got such a crush on that man I have had a crush on him for years
0: he was in a movie So lovely. he was in a movie in the 90s with Emma Thompson called The Tall Guy and it was one of my most
1: favorite movies
0: and okay, because I'm he's like that on the list because I'm he's about that. six foot nine he was
1: perfect cast. <laughs> <laughs> but i really enjoyed that's been my guilty little pleasure that and killing eve killing oh. eve i've really enjoyed and then jeff goldblum's the world according to jeff goldblum so that no, you can have a netflix subscription but again what is it you choose they, they have a huge database of, of even international films some brilliant french cinema mm. some things that you would have never been exposed to or seen before that have subtitles uh, you yeah. know so you can enjoy them even if you don't speak the language. But again, do you choose that crappy stoner film or do you choose a piece of cinematic art from a completely different culture, time and space? We all choose how we consume. We need to be more mindful about what we eat.
0: (laughs) And that's exactly it, isn't it? You know, you're mindful about what you put in your body to eat the food you put in your body. So let's be more mindful about the food we nourish our mind with and our soul with.
1: But it's the one thing we know about machine learning that is rubbish in, rubbish out. And that's, that's what our brains do. All our brains do is machine learning effectively. So it's rubbish in, rubbish out.
0: And when um, you watch on Netflix or if all you watch on YouTube is rubbish, then that's all that's going to continue to feed you because that's what it thinks you want.
1: So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm one of these weird people that loves to go to a restaurant where there's something on the menu that I have to Google because I don't know what it is. I love that. If I come across something and I don't know what it is, I feel like my world has expanded. Yeah, same and right, I same. Think this is like yoga for your body, right? So it might hurt to stretch into places that are a bit stiff because you haven't done there before. But if you don't stretch then you won't be able to actually ever reach those places again and your world will mm-hmm. physically shrink. And it's the same thing with our neurobiology. Unless we're able to see things differently, we'll never be able to see things differently. And so this is one of the big things for burnout and academics is that you know if we do move to this beautiful idea of a four-day working week, which many studies have proved are actually much more efficient than a five-day working week. Mm-hmm. And in fact, a Japanese study a few years ago came out with a three-day working week being more effective than a five-day working week. On those days that we have off, making sure that you don't just sit there and do the washing and organize the kids and do the household stuff and sit there, actually getting out to the art gallery for a couple of hours. They reckon two hours a week of letting your brain become the sponge that it was when you were a child provides you with such mental release and ability to actually learn and see the world in a different way. And I really love that idea. I really subscribe to that and I've not Mm. been able to do that so much since lockdown, obviously, but even before that, having two children under the age of three, it restricts, what it is that you've got time for. So I'm very mindful that I don't Mm. just sit and mindlessly consume digital content I might mindlessly consume chocolate biscuits but I don't mindlessly consume (laughs) digital content and I've got a pile of books around me because I'm in the middle of writing five books so I've got a pile of books around me that I'm reading a pile of things around me that I'm reading and in fact I started I downloaded an app called Duolingo and I'm brushing up on my French whilst learning Spanish and I've started Japanese and so I'm breastfeeding and learning Japanese at the same time because I have this opportunity on my phone to do that so you know we choose how we consume we choose how we spend
0: and our time a mate of mine dan norris wrote this great book a few years ago called create or hate and he says oh. that you need to create more than you consume, consume. Interesting. and he said for every minute or half an hour or hour that you're consuming something you should be creating something whether it's a piece of art or your own writing or mm. whatever it might be baking you know whatever your creativity pleasures are mm. make sure you spend more time doing than consuming
1: I think I'm definitely on the wrong side of that unless creating emails is something that's included <laughs> in your creation because my emails seem to be self-replicating. They've become self-aware. <laughs> Terminator is upon us. You know, Skynet is real and it's sitting in my inbox basically. But you've um, just said you're writing
0: five books so clearly you yeah, are creating yeah, a lot.
1: I'm, sure true. I'm just
0: sitting here thinking I can barely <laughs> finish my one book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> collaboration. Ah. So this is it. I'm doing it in collaboration.
0: Oh, I like that. I'm actually taking myself down the coast next week and i'm locking myself in an apartment on the gold coast to finish the book good and so by the time i come back to brisbane by this time next week it it will be be done finished
1: you know i've got that's one of the things that i've got now my new year's resolutions really is actually to finish more than start so i've got so many things that i started even before the coronavirus lockdown Mm -hmm. so many things that i'd started that now actually i need to start getting better at finishing things Mm -hmm. and starting things
0: i like that i like that well our 30 minutes has whizzed <gasps> by, I Gosh. think this is a record. I've asked one question. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we all of my guests, I had a feeling it would be you who <laughs> to create that record. Um, I do have a couple of questions I do like Ooh. to just wrap up with. Go on then. Um, are there any books that have particularly impacted you or podcasts or something you've consumed that has had a lasting impact?
1: oh, that's a really good question. When's the last time I actually felt gobsmacked by something? It is a really interesting question. I have been doing nothing other than learning all the ways I'm failing as a mother, quite frankly, for the last couple of years. I have taken stock in watching TED Talks. So TED Talks for me are a perfect way to get a nice deep vertical into someone's mind without it taking more than 15 minutes and to the point where I used to have the TED app on my phone so there's been a couple of TED talks that have sort of made me stop and you know go stop hammer time think about what it is that you're doing there was one by a young woman who's unfortunately now passed away but she was an opera singer who had I think it was cystic fibrosis so she needed a lung transplant and they said to her look you're never going to sing again you might not ever talk again but you're going to die if you don't get these new lungs. Oh. And she signed up, got the new lungs, and then sang like a bird. And oh. I can't look at me getting emotional. I think I'm she goosebumps. died She died last year or the year before. But that oh. TED Talk, you see, got me. Got me right in the guts. Because whenever you know you're starting businesses like I've done as an entrepreneur, whenever you're moving out of jobs, whenever you're trying to find new things, it's bloody scary. But I have oh. to say, nothing could possibly be as scary than actually needing a transplant of an organ or needing serious surgery or having a child Mm. that's seriously unwell or having something that you're facing so I think I took strength from her story I was very sad to hear that she'd passed away because her TED talk really got me in the feels but also in an inspirational but non-patronizing way that she was just this wonderful strong young woman Mm. Um, and I'm really sorry that I can't remember her name right now but she I can see her face she's beautiful young woman beautiful voice and she sang it's fantastic
0: i'll google and pop it in the show notes thank
1: you yeah that ted talk really got me and it was one where again i'd gone onto the ted app or on the website where you can put in how much time you've got and what you want to see and they randomly generate so i want to try and get more random in my life like there's so much that we have that's so predetermined and even now our social media is predetermined for us because of all the algorithms that are constantly feeding us what it thinks we want to see so i like the idea like finding mm. on a menu something that I've never heard of before Prangra Tasha was one of the ones that I just I had no oh. idea what that was and this young woman's TED talk was a random that came mm. up I mean those are the ones that have been inspiring and wonderful to watch Jill Hicks oh my god Jill Hicks is just a hero slash goddess of mine mm. um, anything that Jill Hicks does I sign up for have you um, read her book yeah and the TED talk if people don't have time to read her book she talked at uh, TEDx Sydney a couple of years ago so her TED talk is pretty amazing please put that in the links and also her website she's got some wonderful art that she's now turning into wearable art and so I'm first on the list for this beautiful pink kimono that she's making because I just desperately want to waft into a meeting with billionaires wearing this thing and talk about <laughs> Jill and her art you know I'm just I'm wanting to find some random thing going on with that so other than that in terms of books that I can't rush to finish I mean I've not read for pleasure really for such a long time it's all been research. I'm just looking at the books that are kind of around me at the moment and all they are is work focused books I suppose there is one book series that i would like to highlight actually i'll flash these up on the zoom to you i know everyone can't see this but these are the girl geeks books by girl geek academy So Girl Geek Academy are a wonderful motley crew of young women led by a fantastic human called Sarah Moran. And the idea here is to actually encourage young women into the idea of being a hacker, being a hustler, being a writer, being a creator, creating more than you consume, obviously. And I'm very pleased that in the back of this particular book, my name is mentioned on one page opposite the page of Michaela Jade, who's again another huge um, hero of mine. And she's just released her Indigenous education business as well so in schools.com or .edu after forgive me no.com in digital in so getting digital content from indigenous australians into the classroom um so michaela is a huge huge hero of mine so there's a couple of things that i've come across fallen across or been inspired by um, that sounds amazing i've known
0: sarah for a long time we met on through twitter god 10 12 years ago
1: she's brilliant when she was
0: just starting into her geek girl stuff and She's just such an inspiration to young women in particular, but anybody who has a dream and yeah. watches it and works hard and gets yep. the right support to realize that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I got a lot of time for her. And in fact, when I closed up so, the business, I sold the trademarks to her. So she flies is now a trademark of girl geek Academy. And we'll be working on some really cool projects that will be coming out soon. And at that Mm -hmm. juncture, I should probably mention that I'm also the 2020 patron for the Tech Girls Are Superheroes movement by the wonderfully recently acknowledged on the Queen's Honours list, Janine, who OAM. So Tech Girls Are Superheroes. And what that represents for me is pretty powerful stuff too. So you can get the Tech Girls Are Superheroes books from their website, but the schools can also get free copies of it, which I always really loved.
0: And so, if you want to yeah. know more about Janine, I'm interviewing her on a future episode of the podcast. So um, we're tasty. having a conversation in a couple of weeks' time. So she's a you can listen to that too. She's amazing. <laughs> she's just so amazing. Yeah.
1: yeah she's just from where she's come from to what she's yeah. achieved and what she's going to achieve I mean this yeah. OAM is actually just another springboard for her Absolutely. quite frankly yeah, yeah. she's yeah. a leader she's a leader she's a creator she definitely yeah, she creates she. more than she consumes that. oh
0: god yeah I saw her the other day and just was exhausted when I left <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, in a good way you. in a very good way
0: Thank you so much for your time. Hey, thank I, could, you. I could continue talking to you for <laughs> so much longer, but it's nearly three o'clock and we've both got other podcasting commitments. We do. Um, where can people find you if they'd like to connect with you?
1: So you can find me on LinkedIn cause I'm on there quite a bit, but the best place really is DrCatherineBall.com. Great. Right. Some resources on there and some links on there and you can connect to the team through there
0: fabulous
1: oh thank you so much yeah, have an you excellent so weekend yes and what's that what's a weekend do we even do monday to fridays anymore
0: no kind of. i don't <laughs> and that's part of my personal <laughs> problem
1: <quite> a... Ditto. <laughs> 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 though with children not in school yet i need to take advantage of the fact that i can do weekends on a tuesday and a wednesday when everyone else is busy
0: yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely, absolutely well thank you so much and i look forward to catching up with you in the flesh hopefully in the not too distant future
1: come and sit on an uncomfortable chair in a cafe with me mate i
0: so will (laughs) i'm going to a cafe for the first time tomorrow since lockdown for breakfast with a friend and i cannot wait actually i cannot wait to eat a meal that i haven't had to cook and to drink a decent <laughs> coffee that hasn't come out of my plunger with coffee beans that have been in the fridge for far too long
1: <laughs> i hear you i hear you it's nearly oh. over this too shall pass oh, no, all right, i know mate. anyway thank you so much anyway talk all, to all you right soon. bye
0: well that's it for this episode thank you so much for listening If you liked what you heard, please hit subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you really liked what you heard, please leave me a review on iTunes or a recommendation on LinkedIn, or both. The show notes are all on the website, melkettle.com forward slash podcast. And I'd love you to connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter. You'll find me at Melkettle. See you next time and stay connected. Bye.